nerds watch Disney podcasts. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. So right before we started recording, uh, I just saw on the internet apparently. Um, an animator named Don Lusk, who worked on Pinocchio and Fantasia, just passed away today. No, oh. he was a hundred and five years old. Jesus. Yeah, like who would have guessed when we were uh, fucking like recording podcasts about those like ninety-year-old movies that he would still be around? <laughs> Pour one out for Don Lusk, everybody. I was just thinking when I wrote down the year uh, this one was made that we've almost made it to ones that were made during my lifetime, which I feel like yeah, is a landmark true. for the show. Yeah. Considering where we started. We're in the 80s now. Yeah. This computer just dinged at me. Skip Hop, happy 2019. Enjoy free shipping today. Oh, wow, that's nice. I don't know what Skip Hop is. <laughs> Thanks to the good people at Skip Hop. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Dudes Watch Disney Podcast, everybody. Sponsored by Skip Hop. We don't know what it is, but we love it. <laughs> they didn't have any kind of offer code there, or I would just tell you guys. I'm sure that's legal. Um, so this is episode 18. Uh, we're doing Fox and the Hound, which no, is we're just, a movie. We're just starting? I wasn't... I, I mean, I don't know. Have you got anything? <laughs> well, no. No. Hey, welcome to Dudes Watch Disney. Hey! That was loud in my headphones, so I'm assuming it was loud on the recording. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, like, in listening to some of our other episodes, we do sort of drag sometimes when, like, going over the plot or whatever, where, like, the energy level goes way down. This is a low-energy film, so... But that is do true. anything to, like, pump it up. <laughs> well, I'll do what I can. But we made it up to 1981 now, which uh, we were just talking about as a landmark kind of deal uh we've almost made it to dustin's life i'm jake by the way this is dustin about to talk hi i'm dustin <laughs> and yes uh this movie was made in 81 i was born in 85 so the show is uh inching closer to shows made in my lifetime at least if not jake's right uh, that'll be a little longer for me we'll get to good movies by the time we get to my lifetime yeah, that is that is true uh i haven't been keeping track how many episodes have we done now 18 like, what is oh wow Look at us go. Plus, like, ten bonus episodes. I mean, yeah. the podcast has been around coming up on three years now, so we probably could have done more than that. It doesn't sound like a big deal. but Yeah, but we've got big know. plans to, you know, step on the gas now, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think we say that a lot. That is true. And then I you think, you know, said we were things get in the way. Today yeah. and then again on Sunday is what you said. That's true. That's still the plan. I don't know if I can convince Kelsey to watch Black Cauldron with me after last night. <laughs> she Oof. didn't much care for this. By the way, last night was New Year's Eve, and uh, this was the film we decided to kick off the, the New Year's Eve festivities with. It's like, yeah, let's get excited for the new year and watch this downer of a movie. Right. Well, I mean, us too, except we got excited for the new year at three in the afternoon when we watched this movie. Right. We followed it up by playing that Codenames game you got us, which is actually pretty cool. Nice. Cool. Mm -hmm. I followed it up by going to bed at 8.45, so, you know. <laughs> nice. Missed the new year. Anyway, so we watched Fox and the Hound last night, and we're going to talk <laughs> about it now. That's how the podcast works yeah. some days. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, I did have a few uh, production things I wanted to get into. All right, let's about hear it. this film. So, you know, just to set the scene, if you've been following the podcast, you know, we're kind of in a slog of Disney releases here. You know, these are not the successful years 
something just fell on Dustin's end. I'm not uh, sure what. You know, we're coming off of Rescuers and Robin Hood and Winnie the Pooh and you know, there's all nothing, nothing, not a lot of financial success. You know, everything's been made on a budget, and uh, we're still in that, and we're gonna be in that for a while. And this film, uh, <laughs> contradicting that budget thing I just said, uh, at the time of its release, was the uh, most expensive animated film produced. So really, uh, why? Yeah, it cost. I don't know. Cost twelve million dollars, <laughs> but uh, a part of that might have been like salary shit behind the scenes because uh, there was a whole lot of chaos uh, in the production of this one because uh, it was essentially kind of a power struggle uh, with uh, directors. Uh, you know, it was originally going to be directed by a man named uh, Reitherman. I'm just trying to find his first name. The film is based off a novel, uh, a novel that's particularly sadder than the movie somehow, uh, which we'll talk about yeah. at the end about what happened in the actual book. Cause Oh my God. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Although the, the phrase based on a novel is a bit of a stretch oh, right. because yeah. there's literally like there's no a similarities. There's a hound and their mm-hmm. names, I guess are the same and that's it. Like Todd with one D I figured out well into the movie and then like, didn't care and just keep kept wrote it with two. Todd she literally says, I'll, name, I'll call you Todd, short for toddler. How many or D's something. are in toddler? I don't know. I thought it was one. Uh, maybe. <laughs> hey, I... Siri, how do you spell toddler? Toddler. T O D D. Aha! Yep, I feel smart. I win. Wolfgang was his oh, name. Wow, how could you forget Wolfgang? <laughs> Wolfgang Reitherman, or maybe Reitherman, I don't know. It's got an E and an I. <laughs> okay. He was the film's original director, uh, along with a man named Art Stevens as the co-director. There's a power struggle between the two directors and co-producer Ron Miller. Miller ended up going with Stevens, the younger guy, and kicked Reitherman out. So uh, so in middle production, we lose one director, we gotta switch, change what we're doing, and then after that... Uh, there was actually a huge walkout of animators during this film, which delayed its yeah, release by six months. Mass exodus mm-hmm. of animators. A revolution. The Don Bluth revolution. Essentially, Don Bluth was one of them and uh, brought a lot of the sort of the young blood animators with him. And they're going off to found their own studio. And then because of that, Disney has to bring in a whole bunch of new animators. And... Uh, but really, it ends up working out in Disney's favor because a lot of the people they bring in end up becoming big-name Disney people who end up carrying them through the success of the 90s and all that. And one of the ones, guys, they picked up was John Lasseter, who I think I think is still the uh, like head CEO or whatever of Pixar. I don't know. He had a weird sexual thing in the past year, and I don't know how that ended. Yeah. Maybe he got kicked he, out. But Some sort of Pixar bigwig, yes. Yeah, and brought Pixar into huge success and everything, and also is responsible for uh, killing the terrible Disney sequel bullshit that was going on in the 2000s, like Cinderella 3 and all that. So, you know, he ends up being pretty successful for the company. (laughs) I mean, I think it worked out for both sides. Like, uh, the animators that left have found their own success, uh, you know. Right, I think that's that's a much more, like you know, underground, like, skinny your teeth kind of thing, trying to pick up money to fund shit and not getting as big of profits and then putting that all into the next... Like, they have to start a studio from scratch, basically. But, sure, uh, you know, the Don Bluth-led team does eventually lead to its own success, which uh, I think their first release, uh, I want to say, Secret of Nim is in, like, 83 or something. So that's coming up pretty soon. Uh, Never read it. 
or never seen it never read, read the book i've never read it either <laughs> the book the book's called like mrs frisbee or something because that's the lady's name the lady the rat the mouse character <laughs> i've never read it either <laughs> i did watch it once though and we're gonna watch it later so i'm saying that out loud so we All have right. to do it but the point is a bunch of shit is going on behind the scenes while we're trying to make this boring movie about a fox and a hound that can't be friends which, of course, in the book, they were never even uh, close to being friends. Like, that's just, uh, <laughs> like, I just don't understand, like, how that process works, where the Disney people find a book, then go, yeah, let's not use anything from this book, uh, right. except for maybe a fox and a hound. Like, Right. Well, I mean, it's clearly worked successfully in the past with, like, Jungle Book and stuff. Like, they didn't follow that book at all, but they went, you know what, the animals in a forest, it's a license, we can do that. Yeah. Right, I guess I'm just confused on like how they pick these things, knowing that they're going to get rid of every detail along the way. Like, I have a feeling they might be judging books by their covers. How can I write a book that Disney will pick up and change totally is really what I want. Like, it's a very good question. Um, but yeah, <laughs> just since we're talking about the novel, uh, it was written by a man named Daniel P. Mannix, um, and this is just a whole passage from Wikipedia, but there's like, it does sound like a horrible downer of a book. Like, uh, almost every aspect of the novel was either changed or eliminated entirely. In the novel, Todd and Copper were never friends, and they met by Todd mocking his human caretakers, neighbors, hounds on their land. Uh, Chiefs and Copper's ages were reversed, and subsequently their roles of who was jealous of whom were reversed. To be fair, uh, to be fair, I like that change. I like it. It makes more sense with them, like, both being young together and growing up together, like, rather than, like, Copper being the old one. Yeah, that that makes sense. You want the old one to be the jealous one and not the the puppy or whatever. Yeah, so I like that change. Yeah, that, that was probably a good smart call. Also, some smart calls here. Uh, just uh, some really dark shit. Todd intentionally kills Chief by jumping out of the way of an oncoming train. Todd has two vixens that he mates and has cubs with, because why not? Uh, all of whom are killed by the hunter. Oh, okay. Todd dies from exhaustion while being chased by Copper. The hunter was an old drunk, and the novel ends when the hunter is being sent to a retirement home, and because dogs aren't allowed, is forced to shoot Copper. <laughs> so I, I'm confused about how he's forced to do this. Like, it seems like, you know, anyone else could have taken the dog or, you know... Let him out in the woods. Something, like, forced to... I have no other options. I have to shoot you. <laughs> Maybe bullets weren't allowed at the retirement home, either. Yeah, use those up, too. Could be. But anyway, we opened the film. Uh, well, the, backing up, did you watch this movie a lot as a kid? We we definitely owned it. I distinctly remember, like, when we got it. Like, we got it one Easter. Yeah. Like, it was in our Easter basket or something. And I think we, like, watched it uh, either right away or later that day sometime. And, like, I remember watching it for the first time and, like, feeling good about it until, you know the end i guess but like feeling good about you know this is nice you got the little fox puppy and the little other puppy are young foxes called puppies i don't know they're called kits kits with k-i-t a t. yeah mm-hmm. uh, huh okay didn't know um is this one of those weird easter things that like it was the 90s and we had a camcorder so we filmed it and that's why we remember it because this seems familiar to me too uh, i mean I don't, <laughs> just like I mean, maybe. stupid home movies i don't remember that part of it i just remember like getting it and watching it and like being old enough that i remember watching it for the first time where like i don't remember the first time i watched cinderella or you know mm, no i think i watched this a lot as a kid but i think i just watched the happy parts like maybe i turned it off when, it, when it got sad or just fast forwarded through one them. of the things we've established on the show is that jake fast forwards through parts of movies he's not interested well i don't right. know if he still does it but as a child no. uh, he did but 
I, I also, uh, <clears throat> I, I remember watching it like, uh, you know, around the time I was, I guess, maybe like a teenager, maybe like 12, 13, I don't know. Not, not like an older teen, but like around the time feelings started to develop because it was like, <laughs> oh God, this is sad and horrible. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that was a thing when I was eight. <laughs> I when, just watched a movie. When Jake got the feelings upgrade. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, why are we watching this? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this one doesn't even, like, mess around with the pretense of being happy. We get a Disney parental death in the opening scene of the movie. We do, but I wanted to talk about the opening scene because of how, like, like exciting and action-packed it is, you know. It's just like, okay, we open. It starts out kind of slow and quiet, you know, just fading through the trees or whatever. And then you hear, like, these ominous drums like we're in fucking Moria or something. <laughs> and then, like, <clears throat> you know, it, then all of a sudden it's action music. It's a fox trying to run and escape. And it's like, I love that. That is not what we did with the opening of The Rescuers. And it's what no. we should have done with the opening of The Rescuers. Well, I did, I did want to... Talk about the opening credits themselves uh, and about, you know, the way that they start out, you know, with the sort of the background scenes and the, you know, quiet music or whatever starting mm-hmm. out. There's like a spider web. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's opening credits are a thing that don't really exist anymore in movies. Fun fact, this is the last Disney movie to have opening credits. Oh, well, there you go. Starting with the Black Cauldron is just a title screen and then they come at the end. Like, if you think uh, about any movie you've gone to see in the last, you know, 10 years, like, if they have opening credits at all, and they probably don't, it's very quick. Like, here's yeah. some names, and we're going. Here's the like, five big stars of this movie, and start. Right. Like, if you take just, like, the Marvel movies, the only ones with opening credits are the Guardians movies, and they're very, you know, purposefully done, because they're meant to mm. look like uh, something Peter Quill would enjoy as someone who was, you know, grew up in the 80s or whatever. Right. But uh, anyway, so these opening credits, to me, it feels like they go on forever. But I think that also could be someone who's used to not seeing opening credits anymore and being like, okay, let's go. Like, right. Got it. Usually when the opening credits are going on in these movies is when I'm writing through like my first paragraph of notes. So I'm not paying attention to the screen. Right. But I do wonder, like, if, if you went to a movie in 1981 and like you're sitting there you got your popcorn you're ready to watch this movie and then there's like five minutes of like just quiet music and like here's a tree and a spider web and like right if you're like sitting there like let's go let's go let's go or if you're just like i'm at the movies this is nice like i'm having a good time well back at this point too disney movies would have opened with like an animated short ahead of it and stuff too so like i don't know it's even more stuff in front of the movie before you get to see yeah but uh, I was about to say something. Oh, uh, if you pay attention to the opening credits, we got a couple of names in this movie. Uh, mm. You know, we had, we don't really see that too often in Disney movies. I guess it's getting a little more common. But, you know, we got Mickey Rooney. We got uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, they they play adult Todd and Copper, respectively. Uh, and uh, Corey Feldman is one of the, I think he's young Todd. Uh, those mm-hmm. were the only names I recognized. But By name, <clears throat> sure. But, you know, the... Uh... What's the regular name? Disney voice cast is here too, yeah. Sure. Amos is the grandpa from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. So. Yeah, it took me a minute or to Willy remember Wonka that, but yeah. Right. Whichever one is the seventies one. <laughs> grandpa it... Joe. Yes. Willy Wonka is the old one. Okay. Yeah. Then from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. So we get the long uh, intro, the tension building with the fox uh being chased by the dogs and hiding its little kit mm-hmm. which is a thing i just learned today but okay mm-hmm. i hope i'm right about that i'm gonna assume i am all right 
Um, but she's and, trying to protect her baby. You know, she realizes danger is happening. She has to set the baby down and then take off and, you know, protect him. And it's all done without dialogue, which is great. But it's also, like, the only part of this movie that's done without dialogue. <laughs> like, any other time later on something's going on. Uh, Do it's we like, know that it's the mom? Like, why I, else I would she have this baby? Well, no, I just meant, like, I mean, why couldn't it be the dad? Like... I thought it was a woman, but I don't know where I got that idea. That could yeah. be me. I mean, I don't Maybe know. I'm just, I'm assuming the gender of this fox is what you're well, saying. Well, it could be a, like, uh, Disney deadbeat dad situation. It, it could. Like, I kind of just assumed it was, like, mom and a baby, and of course there's no dad in the picture. Of course not. Yeah, that would be crazy. Which could explain why he grows up to, you know, have two different uh, vixens he's impregnating anyway. <laughs> right. But yeah, just as, you know, as a, like an opening, like, wordless short film like this was pretty great and then until you know there's an owl there's an owl that's watching this whole scene play out uh and then you know she realizes the the adult fox has been killed and has to go to protect the baby she goes down and then she starts our dialogue in the movie uh her name is big, big mama. mama yeah mm-hmm. is She's... that offensive i don't i think it's definitely a stereotype yeah but you know she could this could have been big mama's house <laughs> I don't even know how to get into this and get out of it without saying something terrible, so never mind. But her maternal instinct kicks in, sort of, uh, where she uh, wants to help the little guy, doesn't want to raise him herself, of course, wants to find him new sure. parents. Right. Uh, you know, he even so tries to, like, snuggle, snuggle up to her, and she's like, oh, no, you can't, you know, not you can't <laughs> come live with Big Mama. I don't have anyone that lives with me. <laughs> I'm not looking to take in any kids. So she goes out to find him. New parents runs into a couple other birds. Yep. Uh, Boomer, and I never got the little New York bird's name. Uh, I don't know. Joe Pesci is what I'm going to call it. (laughs) Tigger and Joe Pesci. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Boomer is the voice of Tigger. Uh, These two, they do nothing for me. Uh, They're all over this movie. Uh, They really don't bring anything to the table other than, you know, a little little bit of levity. You know, they, they do some slapstick. They are trying to catch a little caterpillar this whole time, but... Uh, I believe the other bird's name is Dinky. Dinky the bird. Dinky. <laughs> he is a little guy, so I guess that makes sense. But, you know, the these three birds have got to go find a new home for the fox, and that's that's our, our setup. Fortunately, there's an old widow that lives uh, on a farm over here. Widow Tweed is her name, even though I think that's said, like, once. Also, Widow, I guess, is just her first name now. <laughs> Um, Which is awful. Like, just everyone in town just reminds her that her husband died every time they try to talk to her. <laughs> How's it going, hey. widow? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's well, our up, o- widow? Our only other human character just calls her woman and female and all Fair kinds enough. of stuff. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, we, you know, we sort of do like a. You remember Bagheera in the. Uh, at the beginning of Jungle Book when he brings the baby and just kind of like taps it to make it noise? This kind of reminded me of that. Uh, to sort of. You know, get her attention. The woodpecker bird goes and knocks on the door, and then suddenly the little little fox is sitting on the doorstep, and she's got a. She's like, "Oh, I have to take him in because he's adorable." And then that's sort of our our premise here. She's taking in this little baby fox and feeding him with a bottle and raising him, and she's gonna be. He's gonna keep her company because she's all alone, and you know, cows and chickens aren't good company. I guess they don't talk like the fox does. So. <laughs> He doesn't talk to her like that that we know of. Oh, okay. I mean, she's a crazy old woman. It's possible she's hearing him talk. Who knows? Right. And then our parallel story here is her neighbor, uh, 
Amos, Amos Slade is his name, Grandpa Joe, if you want to just call him that. Uh, he's, you know, a hunter, lives alone, has got a hunting dog out back, and he's pulling up in a, you know, pulling up with a sack. I don't know, we can maybe assume he just hunted the fox, I don't know, but... Uh, it's possible, although his other dog is already at home, so... True, so I guess that wouldn't really work out, because there was dogs chasing it. Solo hunting. Yeah, plot device hunter got the other one, but this one, uh, he's uh, he's bringing home a sack, and inside of it is a little hound dog puppy. Uh, so we got, he's already got an old hunting dog. Now he's bringing in a, you know, a puppy, and he wants to tell us like, oh, now you're gonna teach him up, chief. He's gonna be a good hunting dog like you, or whatever. And then, uh, so that's our two main characters in the title. And uh, these opening scenes are all all very cute, animal heavy. Uh, like pretty much all we've seen is like baby animals doing baby animal things and that's you know a good selling point for your disney movie disney knows how to do that better than anyone i guess the the movie this is the most like is uh bambi uh where you get the the seasons you get to watch him grow from you know a young uh animal to an adult and like bambi his growth pattern is pretty irregular of like staying really young for seasons at a time and then like rapid growth uh during the winter i I made a note of that too it was a real Bambi aging situation going on. I'm just like, and uh, everybody's balls dropped all of a sudden. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although, yeah. like, the good parts of this movie are watching them when they're little. Like, uh, True. I don't know. Uh, obviously, I've never seen the midquel uh, that <laughs> exists. But, we'll talk uh, about that a little later. <laughs> but I would assume, like, that would be filled with the fun parts of this movie of, like, look at them. They're little and they're cute and they're doing I fun think- things. Yeah, I don't know that you would find it cute for that long, but... Or is it randomly sad, too, for no reason? <laughs> like, I mean, okay, well, I've never watched the midquel, okay. Fox and the Hound 2, released in 2006, although I did watch the opening 30 seconds of it last night because uh, I clicked on the wrong movie on the totally legal <laughs> website I was watching it on, <laughs> and, uh, and like it took me like 30 seconds to be like, I don't think this is how this movie starts, and then eventually... <laughs> You know, there was a hound on the screen. It's like, no, this looks way more recent and way terrible. But uh, <laughs> if you want to know the plot of it, first of all, it is a midquill. So, like, anytime we do that, like, okay, so the whole movie is going to take place when they're kids. They don't stop being friends until they're not kids in this movie. So we have to finish exactly where we started out. So you're already hamstrung at the beginning when making this plot because nothing fucking matters. But I guess nothing fucking matters because you're making a movie for like six-year-olds. So who cares anyway? Here's what, uh, knowing nothing about the movie, let me just imagine what happens. Uh, Oh, go for it because you're not going to get it. (laughs) No, there's no way. Uh, If I were making it, here's what would happen. Like the two of them would be, you know, doing some cute shit in the beginning of the movie, like rolling around, playing with each other. And then, like, maybe they, uh, sort of like Simba and Nala in Lion King, they uh, end up getting too far from home. Uh, They play too hard. Hmm. And then the two of them have to, like, find their way back. Uh, So it's Homeward Bound, but Fox and the Hound? Kind of, yeah. And they meet other creatures along the way. And, you know, they, you know, make it through together. uh, That could Make it back home. Like, that's what I would do. Okay. Uh, They join a band, (laughs) is what what what? There's, like, a band of, like, traveling hound dogs that are performing concerts. And I think Copper what? wants to jo- Copper wants to join them. I don't know. Reba McIntyre is in it. I've never fucking seen it, but holy shit, that so sounds the, so bad. So the dogs play instruments? I think they just sing. I don't know. 
That'd be I cool mean, if like, they played instruments. <laughs> well, I mean, that happens in, like, Aristocats, but, like... That's true. That's totally different. Like, in this movie, they just do animal shit. Like, that's all that they do in this movie is animal that, stuff. They don't, like... That could have been a fun opening for a crossover there, by the way. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe Fat Cat and his band are on an international tour <laughs> and they yeah. came over to the U.S. Uh, and I assume the American South is where this takes place. Uh, I think the timeline might work out on that. Because we got old-timey jalopies we're driving around in this, so I assume we're set in the early 1900s somewhere. So back to this movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they... I feel like we're going to branch off a few times, because, like, what's happening in this movie? Todd's playing with a cow. Like, I mean, so, what, yeah. what do we got to say? Boomer and Binky find an old lady to drop him off with. She, being an old lady, decides to raise him like you do when a fox shows up at your door. You decide I mean, to raise I him I mean, I would probably own. do that myself, so... I once had a had a dream where I had a pet fox, and then I woke up and it was really sad that it wasn't true. So, uh, I saw a fox a, once in real life. Uh, one yeah. time, I've seen a fox in the wild at a at a zoo. Oh, in the woods, yeah, in the wild, like, on yeah. the way to work one day. Like that's a fox. Pretty like, cool. The thought process was like, "Hey, that what's that dog doing? That dog's got a bushy tail. That's a fox." Like that was it. <laughs> that's a real big dog over there. Yeah, yeah. well, the, those were deer. <laughs> those dogs had horns. <laughs> antlers whatever. you're really good at noticing things out of a moving car because now i'm just picturing you going hey how you doing sir <laughs> yeah <laughs> that happened i just think everything's a dog like that's a dog oh well it's got a bushy tail it's a, it's a fox <laughs> one of them vests with sleeves yeah exactly <laughs> you know what i'm talking about Okay, so Todd, you know, we're living on the farm life here with Todd and Widow Tweed, and she's milking a cow, and she's squirting the cow milk into his mouth, and I was wondering if there was controversy about that, like there was with 101 Dalmatians when they got to drink from the cow udder. There was no, like, you know, mouth-to-udder contact for this. It was, like, done at a distance, so I don't know if that was less, uh, you know, pearl-clutching for people, but... Yeah, I don't know. Also being the 80s and not the 60s, that could have changed, you know, could a be. few things. Uh, but, you know, Todd, you know, he's a fox, so there's, you know, chickens in this barn, too. He wants to go, he's real rascally, and he wants to go mess with them and causes a ruckus. Right, he doesn't seem like he actually wants to, like, harm these uh, chicks. Right, I he's think he's just, just playing know, with them. Curious. Yeah. But the cow kicks over the milk pail, and it's like, oh, fox, you know, you can't be doing this, but I can't stay mad at you. Like, that's this whole opening 30 minutes of this movie is just like, oh, well, and just when cute shit happens. <laughs> and then I think after this, we're cutting back to the the bird characters again, trying to catch where this is where we introduce they're trying to catch their caterpillar, which uh, really all that's represented here is, you know, time is passing because the caterpillar becomes a butterfly by the end of the film. But like. We already do that by showing, like, leaves on the ground and then snow on the ground. So, really, these two do nothing for me. Like, I don't care if they get their stupid caterpillar. Right, I think it's meant to be, like, an amusing gag, but I don't know that it makes it to that. Uh, you know, just I'll just sum up what's been going on here. Uh, uh, Todd and Granny Milk Cow Abigail messes with chicks. Cow spills milk. Sticky and boomer still hunting caterpillar todd knows their name but old lady still introducing him to cow and chicken wily coyote shit todd chases butterfly copper and chief sniffing practice right uh when we get back to copper and chief things kind of pick up a little bit uh yeah 
this is the scene where we get to know Chief a little bit, and actually Copper and Todd meet each other in this scene. Uh, but, uh, you know, Copper, <clears throat> we we represent Copper's nose here pretty well, because, uh, you know, he's like a little puppy sniffing around on the ground. Uh, you know, he's like, he says to Chief, like, I'm smelling something, I never smelled it before. And then Chief Smith sniffs, and he's like, oh, that's just the master grilling and, you know, frying fat back or something, I don't, cooking grits and fat back, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Something country and, you know. Right. Folksy. <laughs> but then he's like, ah, it's no big deal. But then, you know, Copper is like, no, there's something else there. So the clearly, you know, the older dog is not as skilled with his nose as the younger dog oh, is. he's getting so old. Like, I know. Well, and also not like a hound. Like trusty. Yeah. Similar, I guess. He's not as, you know, full of old old stories like trusty is. No, but he seems to be doing his best to, like, look out for uh, Copper and, you know, sort of yeah. he's teach him a few fatherly. things. Learn him up. Yeah. I'm not totally sure why the uh, older dog is tied up, other than plot convenience, but why the older dog right. is on a leash, but the puppy is he, allowed to he, roam free. Right. He doesn't seem like he would go anywhere, like he's been around. Right, it seems backwards. He you know he seems to know the rules of everything, like, but mm-hmm. smart, smart pickup by the master to get this, you know, you know, young hound puppy who's you know clearly going to grow into a good hunting dog because you know he's got that that skilled nose. Um, but then we, you know, I'd say, you know, like a bunch, he meets, uh, he meets Todd around the corner and they, they sniff each other. They kind of meet in, it's like inside a log and then their noses meet or something. Yeah. I like uh, this part. Uh, you've got like a hide and seek game going on here, uh, which is a nice like parallel to what happened in the opening scene where you had a, a much more intense hide and seek game yeah. going on, uh, where this is for fun and it's this nice. Is low, and it's there's no stakes to this, and but like we've seen the scary version of this. And... But they're gonna play this game again later in the movie, and you right, know, as but it won't older. be a game. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a, like some really good subtle movies, subtle parts of this movie, and then there's the rest of the movie where I'm like, please stop being subtle. This is very boring. <laughs> um, exactly. But we we do. Uh, ham it up with some cute shit here because when Copper finds Todd, he eventually he immediately goes, because <laughs> he's got to practice his howl, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. as yeah, they, they play together, Big Mama sings a song called Best of Friends, which is eh, it, it is eh, but I'd say it's the best film, the best song in the movie. Like, you don't like lack of education? No, it's a little oh, okay. silly, but uh, despite being an eh song. Uh, I did remember this, like, uh, you know, uh, going into it, I was like, what the fuck is the music from Fox and the Hound? Like, were there any big singles for this? <clears throat> and and fun anecdote here, um, I recently acquired in a totally legal fa- fashion, um, a, like, a Disney music compilation that I'm guessing was released in, like, the 90s sometime, because I think the last film on there is, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> Yeah, so it's got all kinds of music. It's like a five CD set they did or something, and it cool. lists. <clears throat> yeah, and, it, and I've actually been working on it myself to like fill in some of the gaps too. So I've actually got like 150 Disney songs on my phone now. It's pretty cool. Wow. But uh, yeah, but then it, you know, looking through it, it lists some, like it'll list the song title and then what movie it's from, and it's like Fox and the Hound. Fucking what? Like what is this gonna movie? But then it, what? What is this song gonna be? But then it's like, yo, the best of friends. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So we, we could pause with me. here and talk about the music a little bit more. They tried to recapture the Robin Hood magic of getting a uh, country singer songwriter to yeah, uh, write this? some songs here. They got Jim Stafford. Uh, oh, really? 
Yeah, who uh, did I novelty songs that. like Spiders yeah. and Snakes and uh, Cow Patty. The, uh, yeah. What's the one where they're getting high on whatever? Yeah, the wildwood. seeds or yeah. something. Yeah. So we had a CD guy. of his because we saw him in Branson. And yeah. We had that CD growing up. My Girl Bill. I remember that mm. song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one was good. None of these songs in this movie are good, but look up no. My Girl Bill. Yeah. Or, you know, don't. <laughs> Actually, I think I don't know. Cow Patty was pretty cute, too, but she, like, rides a scooter or something. I don't remember. I don't remember how that one goes. That could be How wrong. about seeing shows in Branson of forgotten country stars? <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Mm, I don't guess we got any take-home memorabilia from when we also saw Yakov Smirnoff all those times. <laughs> what a country. <laughs> yeah, so... So we tried to recapture the Robin Hood magic as if, you know, like we like Robin Hood a lot, but it was not a success in any way. It wasn't, it's like no. the lowest rated on Rotten Tomatoes of the movies we've covered so far. Um, right. But the real highlight of Robin Hood, uh, one of them, uh, is Roger Miller, and the songs here don't work. No. Well, well, like Roger Miller, I don't know, but like he's a bigger deal than oh, sure. Jim yeah, Stafford, yeah. right? Like well, people yeah. I mean, know Stafford Roger is Miller. Like pre Weird Al, I mean, he's not making like uh, parody Silly. songs, but he's doing right. like novelty songs, which is not really right. a thing anymore. But like, because now novelty songs would just be like YouTube videos. Exactly. And not, they just like, go to on the, the radio for real. Yeah. Right. Well, radio for real isn't really as well, big a thing anymore. Fair enough. But novelty songs haven't been a thing in some time, despite being a legitimate thing for, you know, years and years. Right. Do you want to talk about the, the lyrics to Best of Friends here? Because they're basically like, things are great, but you're not going to be friends forever because society has prejudices. <laughs> like, it's not, there's no subtlety to it, but it's, I don't know, it kind of really frames out the whole like star-crossed lovers thing that this movie's going for yeah this that's this movie's confusing because like we try to set up this uh you know friends from different uh groups and you know you're not meant to be friends with this person but maybe they can find a way to be friends anyway or whatever but then they don't really do that like they uh they try to be friends or whatever and then they eventually get mad at each other and fall right yeah. into their own tribes it's not like, and like it, yeah it's not like it's them against the world or anything like right and they don't like overcome that you know <laughs> they don't like overcome this uh the setup like they don't try what? to i don't know what happened to me for a little bit they don't like overcome this setup they just you know fall right in line with everything else even though they had been friends and i guess at one point copper does uh help let todd go but then he you know says that was the last time and he's gonna get him next time you know so best of best of friends happens then uh copper gets in trouble for running yeah copper gets in trouble because he was too far away and he's off you know you know, Amos is like, I gotta teach that hound a lesson or something. So, well, I mean, to be fair, you should have had the puppy tied up to start with. Like, right. it's well, a puppy. They can't, they can't move quickly. Like, maybe he thought he wouldn't go too far or something. I mean, I guess, but, but it just doesn't make sense to tie up the older dog and not the puppy. Like, right. But, uh, yeah, Copper's tied up now, and Todd comes back, and he wants to play, but doesn't understand why they can't, or, like, the danger of the situation, because he immediately wants to go poke around with Chief. Like, who's this dog? I want to go see what he's about. Whoa, he's got big, scary teeth. And Copper's like, no, don't mess with him. And that's... Well, first he says, uh, what, he's got big ears or something like that. And then, like, that's not the part you got to worry about. And then, right, like, oh, yeah. he's got big teeth. That's the part you got to worry about. Mm-hmm. 
And then and he then, wakes up. Yeah. You know, he's having a dream and he's like, oh, what is there? I think I smell something. I smell a fox. And he wakes up and, you know, then we got a big chase scene and uh, just a whole lot of bluegrass chase scene music in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm wondering if we're recycling some of that from the rescuers because we also had that with the hillbilly family whenever they had any antics going on. But it's possible. The master comes out. Oh, there's a fox. He comes out shooting at everything. And, uh, you know, Chief is chasing after him, but he's dragging the barrel behind him and he ends up in the creek in the barrel. And that just made me think of The Hobbit, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a, a con- there's continuity issues in every movie ever made, uh, but I mm-hmm. almost never spot them. But I did spot them in this one, so I was proud of oh. myself. Yeah, uh, Chief runs off after him uh, while still tied up to his, like, barrel doghouse, and he drags it along behind him, of course, right? But then when it flashes Correct. back to Copper, who's still in the yard, there's still another barrel next to him. Oh. Uh, yeah. Good so, eye. Uh, yeah, I almost never catch these things, so I was really proud of myself for spotting that one. I actually caught that on my most recent time watching uh, Fellowship of the Ring, which most yeah. recent, you know, I say that because it wasn't that long ago and that's the thing that happens pretty often. But the scene where uh, Boromir, spoiler, the scene where Boromir is dying and he's, you know, and Aragorn's coming to confront him or whatever, uh, he's got, you know, I think Boromir's got a hand up on him and Aragorn's got his hand up, hand like down on his shoulders or something. But when they're cutting back between the shots, uh, I think the close-up of Aragorn, he's got both his arms down when it closes up on... Or maybe the other way around. I think close-up on Aragorn, his arms are extended, but close-up on Boromir, there's no arms on him. So I watched that movie like a hundred times, and I finally noticed that. So, mm-hmm. uh, In Love Actually, there's a, a scene where like uh, Hugh Grant's tie changes over and over again. Like, really? Every time it flashes back to him, it's like solid tie, polka dot tie, solid tie. Polka, like, And I didn't notice it until I read about it. But It's like that fucking scene in Kung Pao. It's like, your tie is red now. Exactly. Whoa, how'd you do that? Red clothes. <laughs> um, For some reason, my Kung Pao guy impression sounds a little bit like Paul Lind, uh, which is unfortunate. <laughs> it did sound a little like that. Templeton um, the Rat. Mm, that's a movie okay i don't know if this aside is worth anything but charlotte's web good movie uh no idea when it was made mm. we do animated stuff maybe we could bounce out and do that at some point seems i don't like know it's pretty short i don't have any idea what the middle of that movie is like because we fucking had it recorded on a tape and then at one point i was trying to watch it and i pressed the wrong fucking button on my vcr <laughs> and in the middle of it i recorded like 40 minutes of a random basketball game over the uh, you gotta pull the, the little tabs i know the middle third of that movie and then somehow i fixed it later but so you went from like hey uh, she's gonna make uh make something nice in her web to like zuckerman's famous pig <laughs> and like i think we stuck around to zuckerman's famous pig then basketball scene happened then uh we're at the fair it's like so i don't know if there was a whole lot i missed fair, but... isn't it i don't know i haven't I seen it in a long time it's morgusborg orgusborg yeah because that song made it um <laughs> so there's a big fight and uh uh grandpa joe comes over and yells at the uh, the widow woman, widow Tweed, and calls her all kinds of PG sexist insults. Um, but yeah, a big, a pretty, pretty serious fight here, where like the uh, Todd ends up getting into the car with uh, the widow, and like right, and he's Amos driving and shooting a rifle. Continues at the same time to shoot, pulling yeah. his pants on, and right. it's all chaos. Then she um, takes his rifle and and fires it as well. Uh, yeah, right this... into his radiator. Mm-hmm. 
he points she points it at him and he's, he's like dead gummit woman that thing is loaded and then she shoots his car and goes well As now it ain't loaded just shooting at her too by the way like right well not at her but very close to her guns are funny and not at all a threat in this movie and until they're killing your mom yeah uh, there's uh, unrelated to this movie, but I've been watching a lot of the Andy Griffith, Griffith show lately, and a whole lot of just funny gunplay going on there. It's just casually yeah. <laughs> like firing guns indoors and stuff, and like ha ha ha, isn't this funny? And it's like not nah, not really. Like no, I don't. It could be really serious, <laughs> right? But now because of this fight, Todd is cooped up too. Um, he, he's an indoor fox now. Yeah, and you know because of the way we just narrate everything in this movie Lodo, widow tweed has to be like well no i can't let you out you gotta stay in here with me you can't be friends with that hound dog he's gonna go hunting look they're going hunting right now i bet he comes back as a different dog and you two aren't friends anymore right it's like okay you're just telling me everything that's gonna happen in this movie as they leave uh copper tries to get into the uh seat of the truck and uh the other the chief's dog. like, no, chief, no, yeah. that's my place. You gotta earn your spot. Mm-hmm. Puts him in the back. Uh, spoilers that those roles are reversed after the hunting trip. I did mm-hmm. think this uh, just kind of like hunting trip thing was really relatable. Uh, not going on a hunting trip because I've never done that shit. But like, uh, you know, just you know, you're friends with someone when you're little, and then like, I don't know, they go away, like a summer break or something happens. You don't see them for a while, and you just kind of they come back, but you're just kind of not really friends anymore. Like. Uh, you just drifting apart as you grow older, even without the whole, like, you know, star-crossed lovers thing that's kind of going on here. And just, you know, friends drifting apart is like, oh, man, I went through that shit as a kid. Like, that's that's all really relatable. It's true. Not you, apparently. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that is uh, part of everyone's childhood. That's true. Right. People know, that, that you, was... like, used to talk to every day and then, you know. yeah. Yeah. Some pathos to that, I thought. Uh, but, you know, while... while uh, copper's gone todd has to get the lack of education song which i put in quotation marks here it's really just like a folksy spoken word piece over some jug time bluegrass yeah stafford Uh, didn't write all the songs in the movie but this is one of the ones that he did yeah which makes sense yeah i guess so some of the music not this one i thought actually reminded me of uh like the toy story movie like they i don't know if they had randy newman uh like qualities to them but just kind of like the same kind of it same kind of melodies to a lot of stuff and then you know about friendship and growing up and that kind of shit so that it just you know felt kind of similar to me maybe yeah i don't think randy newman was in any way involved in this or anything but mm. I don't, maybe they just they're the same kind of kind of uh musician i don't know the birds all try to teach todd that uh you can't be messing around with a hunter with a gun because uh if you do, it's elimination because of your lack of education. And that's basically the whole song. And now some time passes and it's snowing and we do another gag with the stupid birds trying to catch the caterpillar and they get electroshocked and <laughs> the caterpillar goes inside the house to stay warm and they're like, well, we're freezing our beaks off out here. We got to go fly south for winter. And it's like, y'all could have done this already. <laughs> Why did you right. wait till it was already snowing to do that? Then we get a cute copper thing uh, getting uh, stuck in the snow a few times and, like, having to learn how to navigate around uh, in the Mm. terrain. Then, you know, then we see him, like, actually start hunting and 
Right. Around this point, I made a note to just specifically say, like, this feels really slow at this point. Like, and I thought Bambi was too slow. You really liked Bambi, and I was just kind of eh for a lot of it. But uh, this is even slower than that. So I was just like, oh, my God. Definitely. Speed this along. But, you know, we do start to see Copper's uh, success as a hunting dog now. Like, there's a time when he sniffs out a rabbit when Chief was going the other way and, you know, howls at it or something, and they end up catching it and... I don't know. The dog hunts good is what we established. Right. And everything that they warned uh, Todd about is coming true, where Copper is mm-hmm. becoming a good hunting dog and, you know, is okay, you know, is tracking down rabbits and foxes and these types of things. Right. Uh, not the same little puppy that he used to know. Exactly. And uh, we also get, you know, we're playing into the whole Chief starting to get jealous of Copper. When we get at the end of the hunting trip, Copper's in Chief's place in the front seat, and Chief has to ride in the back. Then then winter's over, and they're coming back. And uh, we establish that by having Big Mama come out of her tree and dump out all the leaves. Because I guess, uh, <laughs> like, do owls hibernate? Is that a thing? Was she doing that? I, I don't know. I don't know anything about owls. I think there's a few times I just wrote a note that was like, question about animal behavior. Because, like, I don't trust <laughs> that this movie is getting it right. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then here's where we get to see our Bambi aging. Because now uh, t- Todd is all grown up. And he's got uh, Mickey Rooney's voice all of a sudden. And, uh... It's just a big difference. And then I, oh, I guess the uh, birds getting electroshocked scene actually happens here. That didn't happen in the winter, but it makes a difference. Right. Another time passage thing where that caterpillar is a caterpillar for a long time yep. um, before finally turning into a butterfly at the end of the movie. Right. Like, I don't know how long caterpillar's lifespan is, but like they live, he lives for like almost a year. <laughs> before changing, yeah. Um, and then we cut to... Uh, Amos and the dogs driving back from their trip and he's singing a song called Give a Little Hoot and a Holler uh, just because we need <laughs> some more country shit in this movie. And uh, Chief uh, is trying to give uh, Copper some advice here. He's like, yeah, you got a good nose of you, but you're not doing it right. You got to think nasty because <laughs> apparently he's taking lessons from the villain from Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> think nasty. Think nasty. But then... You know, Todd realizes Copper and Chief came home, and he's like, oh, I gotta go see my friend again. Even though it's a bad idea, he's my friend, I need to go see him. And then, you know, they have a little conversation once Chief is asleep, and it's like, okay, we get some kind of serious stuff here where uh, Copper's like, no, those days are over, Todd. Like, we we can't do this anymore. I'm a hunting dog now, you know. Todd's like, no, but I thought we were still friends. Like, what the fuck, man? And no. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, we're not. Uh, But then this time, you know, we get to redo kind of the whole chase from earlier. But now it's like, you know, serious (laughs) because we're not playing hide and seek. Chief wakes up and Chief is after him. Mm -hmm. And it's we can signify it's serious because this this chase happens at night instead of in the daytime. So it's like, oh, God. Then they like find this like cliff wall that they climb up not sure where that's at in the woods like <laughs> near some train tracks apparently also never established before we never heard a train go by at any other point in the movie like right it seems like you'd but, want to establish these things if they're going to play a role here yeah trains trains are just everywhere in your in your disney oh. movie so it's like you a know? polar express train it can just go anywhere 
Why not? I've never okay. seen that movie, but sure, that happens. <laughs> it doesn't just go on the tracks. It just, like, goes and finds kids to be... You, you know what? How have you not seen Polar Express? I saw it for the first time last year. How have you not seen Polar Express? It looks weird. Why would I watch it? I don't want to look at it. Everything looks weird. It looks like that stupid Beowulf movie. It's like, why didn't you just animate it instead of making it, like, real people with animation on top of them? I'm pretty sure the uh, same guy is behind both of them. I think it's that Zemeckis guy that's friends with uh, Spielberg. He did Beowulf? I didn't know that. Uh, Maybe. I'll look. Anyway, um, so we get the big, you know, chase scene here, and it's actually, you know, there's some heavy stuff because Copper, Todd finds a hiding spot. Copper finds him while, uh, you know, Amos with his gun is way back there. So he, like, gets to have a conversation with him, and he's like, look, Todd, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to lead him the other way, but we can't keep doing this. So he, he gives him his one chance to escape. But then while Todd is doing that, he runs into Chief up on some train tracks. And it's like, uh-oh, shit, I let him go. And now this is going to end badly because Todd is able to escape the train, but Chief gets hit by it. And it's like, this is Todd's, in, in Copper's mind at least, like, this is Todd's fault. And he says, Todd, you know, I'll get you for this, whatever, the last thing I do, you know, kind of thing. And it's... It's, I don't know, it's like some supervillain origin type shit. It's like... It's true. It's kind of like, it, well, not in villain form, but it's like Spider-Man or whatever, and it's like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, you know, because he, he let the guy go based on his own reasoning, and then that guy killed his uncle or whatever. It's like, okay, this is my fault. I have to absolve that guilt. It's that, but in revenge form. But the only mm-hmm. problem is Chief doesn't actually die, and in uh, so much in the original production of this film, he was supposed to die because that makes the story work a lot better. And if he just has a bum leg, it's like, okay, right. it's that's the, a lot exact, less motivation. Exact same thing as Trusty, where like the plan was for him to die. Uh, then later on, they show him like in a cast and he's fine. Same thing happens here with Chief. But Trusty was kind of like, okay, we don't need just a random downer on the end of this film. Whereas Chief is like, this kind of would make our whole motivation work, but we're going to wimp out because it's kids movie. <laughs> I guess, but we, we already have other death in the movie. Like I know. And we have like enough time passes before you see chief still alive. Like you could totally be a kid and think he died for that amount of time. And that's enough time to continue watching the film and get over it. You know? Yeah. So maybe, it's maybe just it doesn't have to choice. do with the kids. Maybe it's just too much heat to put on Todd. Like, Maybe. Maybe we still want Todd to be likable or he's still our baby face here. Like, we don't want, you know, to make him a killer, even if it's by accident. Especially given the incredibly mopey thing we're about to do with Todd. Right. Um, In an earlier version of the film, Chief was slated to die as he did in the novel. However, the scene was modified to have Chief survive with a cast on his back paw. Animator Ron Clements, uh, who had briefly transitioned into the story department, protested that Chief has to die. The picture doesn't work if he just breaks his leg. Copper doesn't have the motivation to hate the fox. And uh, younger members of the story team uh, wanted the same thing. But uh, the director, uh, Art Stevens, just wouldn't let it happen. Uh, And there's a quote here that says... I don't know if this is sarcasm or not, but he, he, apparently a quote from Stevens was, geez, we never had, uh, we've never killed a main vi- character in a Disney film and we're not starting now. And it's like, I, is that just, I, I can't gleam from Wikipedia if he's being sarcastic or if he just legitimately doesn't remember Bambi's fucking mom, but <laughs> there's, there's precedent for this. Right. But eventually 
people clamor in for the darker middle chapter chapter didn't get what they wanted and he ends up surviving. I did wonder like who's calling the shots after Walt's death? Like who uh, like up until that point like they could have their little disputes and maybe there's nominally a director for each of these movies that gets made, but it's mm-hmm. ultimately up to Walt. And we right. always tie everything back into wrestling, but like ultimately Vince McMahon makes all the decisions like Walt is that same guy. Who's steering the ship? Who's making, who has final say in things? Uh, it sounds dies. like it's a little all over the place because that's why we're having all this chaos right now. Which is probably what leads to those guys leaving. Right. As for who was actually at the top of the company, I don't, I don't have that info. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen directorial changes all over the place in the past couple decades. Um, right. Because you need, you need somebody to have the final say and to give everyone a direction and to, you know, be an, an arbiter when people don't agree like this. Like, this is a pretty major thing that they can't agree on that Walt would have stepped in on uh, if right, he was yeah. around. Right. I don't know. But uh, you're right. We are about to get uh, real, real sad in this next scene. Because um, basically, you know, we're seeing Amos uh, vowing for revenge. He says he's going to kill Todd the next time he sees him. So Widow, yeah, you what's can't her name? keep him locked up forever. Right. So she knows, well, I got to get rid of him. So now we get a real sad scene of the lady, like, driving her pet off into the woods to abandon him. I mean, it's a little more than that because she goes to a game preserve. So, like, it's a little protected, but still. Sure. But she, uh, we get a song with her, like, inner monologue and all the, like, thoughts she's having about why she's got to leave him and all that kind of stuff. But it's just her thoughts, right? Like, she's not saying these things to Todd. Todd, in theory, has no idea what's going on. Yeah, they're just driving in silence. And spoilers, this was the scene that made me upset when I was a teenager. And also last (laughs) night, if we're being honest, is just like, oh, (laughs) it's like, I don't care if the fucking dog dies, but like, you know, if we got to abandon a pet in the woods, this is the worst. Right. Taking uh, his collar off of him and everything. mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he hasn't ever needed to hunt for himself or do anything for, you know, himself. He's always right. been taken care of by the old lady, and now... He's a lot like Bongo in that uh, one terrible movie we watched, whichever one that was, that had Bongo the bear in it. Yeah. Foxes don't seem to say I love you with a slap, so oh, I don't know how well it's going to work out for him. But now he's all alone, and uh, he sees all these families around him, but he has none. Uh, right, he sees other families, he gets rained on, he doesn't know what to do, he's just totally in a, like, I'm completely miserable San Diego right. uh, standpoint he tries, here. He tries to go into a little hole that he finds, but it's a, a badger's hole, and he comes out, it's like an old grumpy man badger who's like, get out of here, Sonny, this is mine, you know, what are you doing down here? And <laughs> he gets yelled at, and he's stammering and apologizing, and then there's a porcupine that uh, is pretty friendly to him, voiced by Piglet, Piglet. yeah. yeah. Uh, he's living in a tree, which here's time for me to write another question. Do porcupines live in trees? I didn't know that. How about do porcupines live in the U.S., in the southern U.S.? Like, I think so. I maybe it's I a hedgehog. Know. Like, I don't know. Let me look up I don't where know porcupines either. live. <laughs> Very important information. Uh, so, you know, then we cut back to Amos sees Widow Tweed pulling back up and goes, like, he's talking to chief because of course he is because no one just has thoughts to themselves they have to announce them to the audience so he's like i bet she dropped him off at the game preserve well we'll find him won't we chief new world porcupines are indigenous to north america and northern south america they live in wooded areas and can climb trees where some species spend their entire lives well then thank you internet 
<laughs> I said he was talking to Chief. He was actually talking to Copper, because Copper's the healthy one. And in the meantime, we see Chief is actually all bundled up with his busted leg. He's, like, cozy up by the fire, and he's like, well, you know, if we gotta have a busted leg, this is the way to do it. And then he tries to, like, ham it up to get some attention, and then uh, it's not working, so he, like, limps in there like, oh, pay attention to me. And, of course, Amos yells, get back in there, Chief, or I'll break your other leg. <laughs> so... Clearly, he's not even upset at this point about his dog being injured. He's upset just on the principle of the whole fucking manner. But uh, this is also the scene where we test out, hey, we're not just going to be hunting with guns anymore because look what I got, copper. And he pulls out a bear trap and then he like gets a stick and it's like he's this fox is going to be coming along and he's going to step right in it and the only thing i noted was he used a very very short stick for this and i probably <laughs> would have used the much longer one because it actually gets very close to his fingers well he gets much closer to it later in the movie it's true and really that scared me more than anything about this movie as a kid <laughs> it's like you know there's a big scary bear that shows up spoilers but the bear didn't scare me the concept of having my foot in a bear trap was like ah that's like real actual injury in a disney movie sure like, but like how many bear traps are you going to come across in your lifetime you know not many but now it just makes me think of resident evil 4 which i know you never played but they're just there's just like rusty bear traps around when you least expect them uh so like you'll be walking around looking for zombies and all of a sudden you step on it and your like controller vibrates and you lose half your health so mm, that sucks mm-hmm todd completely miserable san diego piglet hedgehog is nice to him lady fox big mama setup. Yep, Big Mama's in that part of the woods now, uh, and she just seems to be known by everybody, because she flies over there and sees a fox that she thinks is Todd, and is like, oh, Todd, is that you? And then turns around and is like, oh, no, sorry, Vixie, I thought you were Todd. And she's like, that's okay, Big Mama. And uh, so, yeah, she she finds a girl fox, and now she gets to try to play matchmaker. Um, And I did say, like, pretty, I did enjoy that pretty much, like, every Disney movie we've had at this point, uh, you know, we reach like the third act and it's like, uh oh, here comes the girl. And then it's like, this is going to change everything. <laughs> now he's all Twitter pated about this girl. But right. like we never characterize them at all beyond that. Uh, Vixie at least has a voice and some lines and like a bit of a personality. True, but she doesn't have to be convinced, uh, you know, that hard by Big Mama to <laughs> no. uh, be a handsome in fox. Oh, oh well, he sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, she's immediately all thirsty for him. And but. It's 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 a baby steps, I guess. Like she she gets to talk. I don't know. That's yeah. something. She puts him to work right away, making him uh, catch a fish for. Her. Right. Uh, you do know how to catch fish, don't you? <laughs> I also had a question: Is like, why is everyone except Todd Southern in this movie? Like, <laughs> he's the only one without a Southern accent, and it doesn't. I guess the New York bird, but I don't know. Maybe he was born on vacation or something. <laughs> But yeah, now we've got awkward flirting between the two of them, and yeah, we gotta go catch me a fish. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't go well, because Todd doesn't know how to do any of that shit. Right, he has no uh, fox skills. Right. So he immediately gets, uh, you know, kind of embarrassed, and she's like, oh, well, you blew that or something. And then he, he, I don't know, it calls her an empty-headed female is what he does. A a silly (laughs) empty-headed female. That's it, yeah, because he's been learning his insults from, you know, Grandpa Joe or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's really mean. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I get why he says that because he doesn't know that's really mean. He's just embarrassed and lashing out because he doesn't, he's, you know, his life's been thrown into chaos here. You know, I don't know if I was Vixie that I would have put up with that, but she forgives him pretty quick. 
And Big Mama kind of explains to him, like, hey, you can't be doing that. And then uh, hopefully you paid attention from here, because right next to silly, <laughs> empty-headed female, I wrote, no attention paid from here. So, um, well, after the empty-headed female, uh, I wrote, this flirting is dumb and boring. Uh, and then the pervy birds want to watch the foxes hook up. Uh, Ow! And then we find out she's already she's already wanting the children because she sees you know a family of like ducks walk by or something counts them up and she's like oh six i think six would be perfect and todd's like what and then (laughs) they go you know they go hook up in a cave and uh oh yeah then uh we cut back to amos and he's sneaking onto the game preserve and uh you know, we see him, he, like, cuts some barbed wire, and he and Copper go through, and we see Copper sniffing. And there's really some tension to that, because we know how good a sniffer is and everything, based on, you know, he's already found Todd a couple of times with it, so. Right, and now he's motivated. He would be more motivated if we didn't, you know, get scared and not kill off Chief. But he's motivated right. to uh, get revenge for, you know, his mentor's injury. Right, and uh, we cut back uh, next morning, they got the, you know, sex hair going on, it's all, (laughs) and we continue with our giggle, giggle, flirt, flirt stuff, and, uh, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, we can tell there's there's danger, I think uh, we, they're about to go uh, through like a little woody kind of tunnel kind of thing, it's like, uh, Vixie is like, no, that seems dangerous. Let's not go in there. And Todd's like, oh, I got this based on my no experience living in the woods. Right. And uh, he's, that's when he, he runs into the danger of all the bear traps. And it's like, oh, uh, you know, he almost steps on one. He kicks like a leaf off of one and we can see it. And it's like, oh, he's getting close here. And then all of a sudden uh, he notices like the danger of the situation and sets one off and takes off. And then Copper's there and he's chasing him. And then it's like, oh, shit. OK, we're going. It's let's get to the big fights. And uh, really, I'd say this whole climax actually was pretty intense because um, we get uh, they, you know, he tells Vixie, hey, you know, go hide in the burrow, uh, you know, get get somewhere safe. And then he kind of stays back to try to protect her from uh, copper. Uh, they end up fighting in front of it. And uh, he has to look you know, tough himself. You know, we, bear, we get a close up of Todd, like baring his teeth and growling. And yeah, for the got- first time. Yeah, and it's sudden his eyes turn red for that scene too, which is like sudden and strange and <laughs> a little much. But uh, you know, they both go into the burrow, and then it's like, I know we'll go out the back door, but they've already got that sniffed out. And so, what happens is uh, Amos actually sets up a fire on that side, and then goes around to the front and is like, "We got him now, copper." And then, uh, you know, so they're they're really trapped. The flames are getting into their burrow, but they got a plan. They'll go through the fire. They'll never expect that. And uh, then we go, we get out of the borough, we're free from that, but then we go up to a log bridge over a waterfall. Certainly not the kind of place a Disney climax could ever take place. Exactly. Uh, That'll be the best place to hide. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so we get up there and then, you know, it looks like we're cornered once again and Amos has got the gun on Todd and everything. And then all of a sudden, oh, fuck a bear. Oh shit, there's a bear. Pretty out of nowhere plot device, but oh god, a bear is suddenly more important than what we were doing. And the bear looks a little bit like a sharp tooth from Land Before Time. I don't know if the bear was yeah. made before Don Bluth left. Hmm, interesting, because Don Bluth worked on this, at least yeah. to some extent. There you I go. I could see that, yeah. Especially, I don't know, like the eyes and the mm-hmm. facial features, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plausible. Um, 
But, you know, now Copper has to fight the bear because he's got to save Amos. Todd goes back to save Copper. And so literally everyone's kind of teaming up to, uh, you know, take care of this new threat. And, uh, you know, it's pretty intense. And the bear is, like, massive. Like, he's the size of a house. So it's understandable why it's, uh, you know, like a real threat. But with, uh, you know, I guess our most recent bear was, like, Baloo in the Jungle Book. So I guess we got to step it up from there. Um, I guess Little John. Well, that's true. But same. Right. Same fucking bear. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we get this big fight scene. Uh, you know, so Copper's in danger. Todd goes... This is around the time Amos steps on the bear trap, so he's useless. Um, Todd goes back to save Copper, and then Todd leads the bear out on the log bridge, and then they both fall off of that. And uh, somehow, like, the 20-pound fox survives this fall, but the 1,000-pound bear just disappears. Like, he's not <laughs> a thing anymore. But uh, so now... Now Todd is like dying in the in the pond, and uh, it's like, oh god, the fight's over. We you know we get a little bit of relief, but then we hear the gun cock, and that's when uh, Amos has got it pointed at him. But then Copper sees this, and Copper steps in front of him and protects Todd. So, like a life for a life kind of thing, you know. Todd, you save me, I'll save you. Maybe we can all move past this. Um, spoilers: We don't really move past this because it's not like we're suddenly still friends or anything. Right? Like, he doesn't get to go home with the rest of them. No, he still lives out in the woods. They presumably don't see each other anymore. Uh, I don't know why Amos is suddenly not full of vengeance anymore. Like, he literally just says, well, let's go home. Not like, move Copper and then shoot him, which I feel like would be more true to his character. Yeah, I think so too. Order your dog around and then kill the thing you came (laughs) out here to kill. Maybe he's in shock from the bear trap. Like, I guess, yeah. Maybe he knows he's injured and he really does have to go get help. Yeah. We do abandon the injured fox in the woods, so <laughs> you don't feel that Just bad. leave him for dead. Yeah. Well, I won't have to shoot you, but I don't have to watch you die. <laughs> but now we're back at the ranch, and uh, Amos and uh, Widow Tweed are suddenly friends, which, again, is like, would they be friends after all this? <laughs> like, Wouldn't think so. He, he shot at you multiple times, but <laughs> you know she's changing his foot bandages, and... Uh, Todd Todd doesn't come home, but we see him watching them from, like, up on a hill or something, and it's like, you know, we're always friends forever, which is, you know, what we play, we play back the quotes from when they were little kids, and they were like, oh, I love being your best friend, and we'll be friends forever, right? Yeah, we'll always be friends. Now let's never see each other again. <laughs> we wanted to do bittersweet, I guess, but also it's like, I don't know, y'all could have done the mega happy ending for this thing. Like, think you might actually have some sort of message there about, like, you can be friends without prejudice. Uh, you can overcome prejudice. How the fuck do you say that word? Prejudices. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, prejudices. Pred- pred- you, can, you can overcome that. You can overcome Predators. the world against you. But actually, no, you can overcome that and just go do your own thing. Like, it's a kind of a, like, stay in your lane message, which feels weird. Yeah. compared to the story we were telling as we talk more about this i'm deciding i need to take points away from the message score that i gave it well i mean maybe we just wanted to go like yeah sometimes the world's like that you know like but is that a good message of <laughs> just like eh, maybe just accept it the world as it is and work around it like i don't know that that's better yeah well and if you were going to do that you would need some sort of like narrator to have said that from the beginning of like right sometimes there are things about the world that you can't change and sometimes you know there are parts of your instinct or whatever that are unavoidable or i don't know but 
Right, and maybe we didn't really at any point tell, like, a Todd needs to go be with his own kind thing like we did Mm -mm. with, like, Mowgli. Like, no, he's a domesticated animal. Like, uh, it's good that he found himself a girl, but I don't know that any part of this really works. But I don't know. It's it's uh, overall, I felt like we're trying to do a heavy story, but we're a little afraid of like scaring off our audience. So we dress it up with some silly side gags and stuff that, you know, as an adult watching this, don't really do anything for me. Like if you're doing this movie, do like the really mopey, depressing, like a uh, Pixar version of it or something is what I want to see. Overall, it, it still tells. I don't know. It's it's better than Rescuers. I can say that we're coming off of Rescuers. We did something more interesting. So that part's good. True. But. As far as a forest growing up story, I'd much rather watch Bambi than this. Yeah, I think so, too. I guess we got to get into our, our rankings here for it. Uh, Before we do, there was uh, one other uh, cutting room floor uh, element of the movie that uh, oh. could have happened and didn't. Uh, there were also supposed to be two cranes in the movie, mm-hmm. one voiced yeah. by Phil Harris and the other by Charo. Uh <laughs> That's a power couple. I'm really confused about how that would have worked or how that would have tied in or why those are the two cranes. I, like, I don't know. There's a there's a Don Booth movie that Charo is in. I'm trying to remember which one. I think it's like Thumbelina or something. Like, so there's, he got her at some point. <laughs> I don't know what his obsession with Charo was, but he was able to get that big name. <laughs> she wasn't the one that got away. That's good. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how that would have worked out. I had like a whole paragraph of that. While you look, I'm going to pull up our spreadsheet because I didn't enter these in there yet. Uh, this is back with the original director, uh, Reitherman, Wolfgang. <laughs> uh, uh, in thinking the film lacked a strong second act, which it does, uh, he decided to add a musical sequence of two swooping cranes voiced by Phil Harris and Charo who would sing a silly song titled Scooby Dooby Dooby Doo, Let Your Body Turn Goo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They would sing that to Todd after he was dropped in the forest. Charo uh, has recorded the song and voice tracks, uh, which were story. Char- Charo recorded the song and voice tracks, which were storyboarded. And uh, live action reference footage was shot of her in a uh, pink leotard. But the because scene was of course strong- it was right. But the string, the string, the scene was strongly disliked by studio personnel. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the main idea was, like, we can't let that sequence in the movie because it's totally out of place. So we got to get into our rankings for this movie. Um, as you know, by episode 18, surely we rank these based on six different criteria. Uh, the first of which is the matters or the plot of the film. Uh, it's, uh, it's not your typical kid's story. It's, you know, it's a lot heavier. It's kind of dark. The ending is really bittersweet. And they made some gutsy choices. Um. I mean, it feels a little clumsy at times. Like, I wish, you know, the movie's not the version of this movie that I wish it was. Like, it does some cool stuff, but I want you to just go flat out depressing with it if you're going to do it. And they spend too much time, like, you know, with silly side characters and, you know, just trying to distract from that. And, uh, you know, the writing is clumsy at times when every... You know, all the human characters have to narrate everything that's going on. Copper has to be like, I'm going to get you, Todd. And it's like, we could just tell all that without being so right i think we've also advocated for having a narrator in every movie we've talked about like what if we had a narrator a narrator who wasn't big mama well yes <laughs> but uh uh i don't know but overall I, I i like the story that we told so i was gonna go with a four for matters i'm going with a three 
mm-hmm. there are elements that work well and where we attempted yeah. things, but we don't like fully commit to them like you were saying. Right. Uh, like they could have gone darker and decided not to go darker, which is fine. They could have gone happier and didn't go happier either. Like you don't set up a like overcoming tribalism uh, storyline. Like there's no overarching. <laughs> right. Because at the end, we don't, we accept tribalism. <laughs> right. Is what yeah. We do. Stick to your own kind is the whole life. We just accept not to kill each other. Basically, our, our conclusion, our, our uh, answer for solving this problem is a ceasefire. Like, it's yeah. not really solving a problem. But So I gave it I gave it a three. Did I say that? Yeah, a three. Yeah. I think I gave it higher points because, like, like you said, it does some things well. And I think that's more than the previous few films we've done. <laughs> that like, is yeah, it did It did some things well. So the streak we're on felt pretty good. Uh, uh, I guess next we'll do Meanie. Uh, I mean, a bear is a big meanie. Amos, to some degree, he has a little bit of a character arc of becoming less of a meanie, but not really. Like, he just, you know, he's still an ornery old man. He just stops shooting everything. Um, And Prejudice is our other meanie, which we really... (laughs) Prejudice wins in the end of this movie because they don't get back together. So, uh, and, and there's no, there's, there's not the big time Disney villain we want to have by any chance, but I, I gave it a two pointer, uh, just for what it was able to accomplish telling yeah. the story it did. I would say there's not really a meanie in the movie, like the bear you said, but a bear's not really a bad guy. It's just doing bear right. stuff. And it's like the rat at the end of Lady and the Tramp. And Amos is an exaggerated version of a hunter, but you know, like he's not, out of line for wanting to kill a fox that's on his property like foxes uh wreck stuff like they you know can take eggs and kill chickens and like they do things that aren't great um so it would be good to want them off your land yeah he does hunt illegally and go on to the nature preserve that's only after he has vengeance in his mind after his dog got injured by a prize hunting dog who's been with him a long time clearly given the dog's age and you know how much he seems to uh enjoy him Right. So I I don't think we really have much of a meanie here. I gave it a one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Music, uh, a lot of bluegrass chase music. And then there's the stuff that Big Mama sings, which really doesn't do much for me. And most of our songs aren't really songs. They're more like spoken word kind of poems just over a backing track. And even the bluegrass like chase music is not as fun. as like the background music in Princess and the Frog, for example, does a great Mm. job of like setting the mood for the movie and like uh, the setting of the film where like this is just kind of there and is like most of this movie is just sort of average and, you know not uh fully fleshed out right um best of friends is at least a somewhat memorable song because i remembered it from childhood so i'll give that a little bit of credit i gave it two points i gave it one and a half uh for the reasons we we just said nothing is really memorable here uh right you know most none of the songs really stand out like you said they're barely songs uh anyway um as for mise-en-scene, um, I, the movie looked good. Like, I think it looked better than stuff we had seen previously. A lot of the adult, or like the human characters, um, had sort of that rotoscope kind of thing going on, at least when we got to see full movements. That's a very Don Bluth thing. I'm wondering if that continues. But the, the whole thing looks good, and it seems like a forest, you know. It, it doesn't quite feel as alive as, like, Bambi did back in the day, I guess, but... Uh, it's generally fun, and uh, the the opening scene and the climax are both really intense, and especially like with the bear fight at the end. Um, 
So I, I gave it a four. I think visually this movie does do a lot. Yeah, the look of this movie is good. The voice acting is pretty good uh, as well. Uh, I gave it a three. This is maybe one of the rare movies where I end up with a lower score than you do. Uh, it's sounding that way. I mean, it, the movie's a bit dull is its biggest issue, but, I mean, it it does do some things pretty good, so I, I was a little generous with my points. I, this, I mean, my points are kind of all over the place on a lot of these movies, but I didn't want it to be down in the dumps with, like, Sword in the Stone and Dumbo, so some of these scores are a little bit higher, I guess. Um, but it's... Uh, next we got our message which is muddled and it's ultimately kind of like a stay in your lane thing in regards to race tribe whatever um it seems to be acknowledging that prejudices exist but doesn't do much to like tear that down whereas we would you know it would be a more powerful movie if we tried to tear prejudices down but uh just for trying to do like a sad story about this and even clumsily or not i I think it did do some heavy stuff so i gave it a three uh, I originally gave it a three, but the more we talked about it, I uh, ended up giving it a two, uh, just because it is muddled, like you said, because like we don't actually stick to like an overcoming barriers to your friendships or, uh, right, yeah, we just sort of, yeah, it sucks, but stick stick to your own kind, don't, right, don't try to fight it, just casual misogyny the whole way through as well. Also true, yeah, which is you know not unusual. Right, both from just having a misogynist character and then not really presenting any females as strong. Right, and even the character we're, we're meant to like, like even Todd, naturally, you know, right. goes towards that. Even though, like, the only like the women in his life have been very nice to him, like Big Mama, exactly, yeah, you know, and and the widow, both also by the widow and not giving her a name, it's not a <laughs> right. good look either. Right, and then magic, uh, magic. Uh... The heaviness of the story helps here because we haven't dealt with a lot of that in Disney it, until you go back to like a Bambi and it's like, oh, shit, my mom died. <laughs> like, right. Uh, most every like what was the heaviness in Rescuers or like Robin Hood? Like there's not really anything. So I think just by ha- having that going for it, it's it's a memorable film, especially if you watch it, you know, when you're fucking 12 or whatever. And it's like, oh, this movie's making me cry. That's not a <laughs> thing I've experienced before. But uh, I went overall with a two for magic. Like, it doesn't feel very Disney. Maybe it's because Bluth, you know, had more of a hand in this and his stuff's generally darker, generally more more adult. Whether it ends up turning out good or not is a whole different step, like, because he's had some (laughs) downer films, too, that aren't all that great. But maybe it's an indicator of what's coming with his studio, you know? Could be. I gave it a three. Uh, There are parts of this that, you know, uh, still have a bit of a Disney moment, you know, the the parallel of the the chase scenes with the like little puppy right, hide and, that's hide true, and yeah. seek scenes and uh, the animal cuteness early on yeah you know the best so of you, friends montage feels so you've got Disney. some magic there um and even the, like you said taking the risk of trying to be sad and being okay with it being sad although they don't fully commit to it uh with the like leaving him in the woods and and all that uh and right. her her song leading up to that and the removing of his collar and all that, which is a pretty big, uh, it's a small thing, but it means a lot, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, so I gave it a three. So, uh, we're going to add those up. We're, you know, it's like a lot of things we've had. It's kind of a middle of the road, eighties ass Disney movie. It's so I had, uh, <clears throat> four points, two points, two points, four points, three points, and two points, which will add up to <laughs> guess who's got a tiebreaker situation. Oh boy. 
That never happens. It adds up to, I didn't write it down, but 16 points, I'm assuming, is what I, the right answer. You know, we um, have a spreadsheet. Where, where we I didn't do add this it for to you. that. I added, to, I, I added it to my phone spreadsheet mm. that I made myself. But yeah, 16 points, uh, which is actually a tie with Peter Pan. Um, and then, funnily enough, it has a two magic score, which is our tiebreaker is the magic, which is the same as Peter Pan, and a two villain score, which is our backup tiebreaker, which is the same as Peter Pan. So uh, I flipped a coin, so Fox and the Hound came in above it. So it just he just rubs his uh, rubs my face in how much he didn't like Peter Pan, which is like one of my top five so far. Uh, right. really enjoyed Peter Pan, and he's trying to act like this movie is better than Peter Pan. Like, I'll fight you right now. This movie is this... not better than Peter Pan. Fair enough, but this movie is more my speed than Peter Pan. Uh... Peter Pan, I don't like the characters, pretty much any of them. Hook and Smee are entertaining, but they feel like, I don't know, kids show characters, basically. Like, we, we aimed low with their comedy, and then they're getting jobbed out by, like, this obnoxious magical dickhead and his fairy friend who is not nice and then these british children who are not fun and then there's racist indians and then it's not any good to be clarified the indians aren't racist themselves <laughs> i'm saying the portrayal of them is racist okay. either way these are like two-year-old arguments we should probably move on anyway uh if you add up mine uh, the three for the matters the one for the meanie one and a half for music three for mise-en-scene uh two for the message and three for magic it comes out to 13 and a half that's 13 and a half fox kits uh, out of 30 <laughs> sounds like something you get in the mail it's like your fox <laughs> fox box is what they would call that like yeah that would be a fox better name treats for or fox uh, uh you know de- decor you know how you can buy uh the uh the kits to make tacos or whatever yes you know uh you're what, a big fan of those you know they'll what have I, crunchy shells and like that's it in them right you know what i call that's them that's your though? kit uh kit, kit boxes kit box uh, which lauren thinks is really funny but i don't know why like it is a kit that comes in a box get a kit box like it comes with taco seasoning and shells and you know some sauce maybe kit box I, I guess we normally just do soft tacos if we're doing tacos. So we don't buy any of those. Actually, we normally just buy tacos. Like, that's Fair how enough. we do things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the kit box. So, anyway, 13 and a half out of 30, which puts it solidly towards the bottom of my list. Uh, yeah, don't don't get your taco talk in here yet. We haven't made it to talk and snack yet. We will uh, do a, a bigger recap when we finish our 20th episode, and then we'll do the second 10 like we did for the first 10. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through our rankings at the end of our next Milestone episode, which will be coming up soon. This was 18. Um, but we could just sort of recap everyone on our top three and our bottom three, uh, just to keep everyone up to date with us here. Yeah, spreadsheet out. Yeah. Again, you, you could tell me how to sort these if you know how. I don't know how to use a spreadsheet for anything. Oh, okay, great. Well, then give me a second. My bottom three are Dumbo in last with six points, Sword in the Stone as number 17 with seven points, and Rescuers at number 16 with 13 points. These are a lot of numbers, people. I hope you're keeping up. And my top three, uh, number three, Snow White with 20, number two, Cinderella with 23 and a half, and number one, probably for quite a while, The Jungle Book with 27 and a half. My bottom four are the last four movies we've done, so uh, <laughs> Fox and the Hound. Then... They are not. Dumbo's got to be in there. Oh, yeah, you're right. These are in a weird order. They're already ranked, but no. I don't know what's happening. Dustin's bad at technology. The point is, 
Yes, you're right. Fine, then. Uh, my bottom three are The Rescuers, which had 12, uh, then Dumbo, which had 11 and a half, and then Sword in the Stone, which had 10 out of 30. Well, I bet we'll have another one in the bottom three after this based on our rankings, because next film is The Black Cauldron, which is the most not Disney Disney film ever made. I feel like it's going to be interesting to go through. I've seen it one time, as is true with Dustin, correct? Mm-hmm. And, uh... It's going to be weird. We're going to do like a D&D fantasy kind of thing, which is like cool. I think is cool, but I don't remember being executed well, so it might not actually be cool. And also, I doubt it's going to rank at all on our, our Disney uh, well, Probably our not. It doesn't here. fit our rubric very well, but it will give us a chance to try something different, to talk about a movie that's totally different, uh, which should be right. fun right away, uh, but also to talk about fantasy in general. Uh, right. Since we... And if there's anyone at home like watching these along with us, like, or just considering watching them. This is the one I recommend you check out. Cause like who the fuck remembers this movie? Like it's not a thing you would ever think Walt Disney pictures made. Like it's just very, very odd and very representative of like how uncertain everything was at this time with the studio. But, uh, we're still like six years away from the release of little mermaid. So, uh, or maybe even long, I think we're still like nine years, some amount of time away from the release of little mermaid. So it's, we got some, some low lows still to come. We didn't do my top three. We only did my bottom three. Oh, my bad. Uh, my top three, Snow White, uh, then The Jungle Book, and then Cinderella with 25 right. out of 30. So not in the same order, but we have the same top three. So there you go. And the same bottom three, too, I think, just not in the same order. But you know what's in what my number four is? Peter fucking Pan. Yeah. Sorry. You're not sorry. Okay, well... Uh, and just as we're wrapping up here, just as a, a quick note about our lives and also the release about this podcast, uh, 2018 was an eventful year. Uh, to, just to jump ahead of it, uh, each of us have had children in this year. Well, um, to be fair, I neither of us had them. Our wives right. did. Our, our respective wives birthed children. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of what's going on with our lives now. We got we both got of which were of. born uh, like a month early and like. Lots yeah. of other uh, craziness complications along yeah. the way. But Everything's healthy and good now, but like, yeah, it's uh, it's just been busy and it's gotten in the way of recording this, and that's that's probably going to keep happening. So, uh, although giving us a few more years, we might have a couple more dudes to watch Disney. Uh, <laughs> that's you know. true. We could have guest appearances. <laughs> um, but right, so just uh, if you're wondering about release schedule, that kind of stuff, it's all kind of up in the air. Where I'm getting them out when I can. Uh, just asking you guys to stick with us, and we're going to keep on making these because it's fun. Jake, you know, still has a, a job where he works six days a week, and so it makes it harder for us to right. uh, get this kind of stuff done. But we really do want to try to push out more episodes to you now that maybe things are settling down a little bit in our lives. So Plus, it was just Christmas. I got Spider-Man. I got to go play. Like, I ain't got time to be doing this. <laughs> I have nothing to do. But <laughs> <laughs> but you're not interested in learning how to edit, so. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, so thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you again on uh, Black Cauldron. Uh, I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. And dudes. And little dudes now. Talking snack. Yeah, yeah. Talking snack. Yum, yum. Talking snack. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey! Uh, well, you saw my how I spent my Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, <laughs> thought that might be a fun talking snack. Uh, yes. So catch, catch the people up on Jake's Christmas okay. Eve. 
so we had Borg. <laughs> we had certain Christmas Eve plans where like, you know, you got to do a bunch of family Christmases and you got to, you know, our families don't live close to each other. And it's like we got to travel basically the whole final two weeks of December. So like we were traveling to go do my wife's Christmas with her family and she wanted to stay there longer because she had more time off. So we took two cars and I came back because I had to do work. And then like she was going to come back on Christmas Eve and then we do a big Christmas Eve dinner and then we do our Christmas Eve presents and then we'd wake up and we'd go do Christmas with my family the next day. But uh, something went wrong. She got uh, a little ill at her parents' place and wasn't able to come back on Christmas Eve. So then I'm getting off work Christmas Eve, like six o'clock. I got nothing to do, no one at my house, everyone else has already made their Christmas plans, so it's not like I can call up Dustin and be like, hey, uh, well, I suppose I could have, but I didn't want to just, like, gate crash. Um, I did also have stuff going on, but you could have joined us. Right. But then I was also like, well, being alone on Christmas is objectively, like, a sad thing, but, uh, you know, how many days do I have to myself to just, like, eat pizza and play video games and not give no fucks about anything like that's what i'm gonna do so i ordered a considerable amount of pizza hut it was a big dick pizza kind of night so (laughs) i got uh they're they're doing if you haven't gotten in on this and you're a pizza hut fan they do their five dollar whatever meal or uh menu where it's like medium pizzas are five dollars and breadsticks are five dollars and wings are five dollars and dessert pizzas are five dollars or whatever you just keep adding them on so I did that, and because you could just keep adding them on, I added quite a bit. And uh, since I was just, you know, having fun with it, I decided to post it to Facebook and let everybody know how I was getting down with Pizza Hut on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so uh, it was a $33 meal for one, and uh, Dustin seems to think that's excessive. But, uh, you know, I mean, you got several meals out of it. I think I was the good cop exactly. on it. I don't think I was, Thank you, you know, hating on it too much. I thought it was just sort of look like in either of the Home Alones where, you know, <laughs> Kevin is getting himself either a whole bunch of pizza like Jake did or a whole bunch of ice cream in Home Alone 2. It's true. I should have uh, should have been watching Home Alone when I was doing that. It would have been really festive. It would have made instead more sense, I, yeah. Instead, I played Batman Arkham Asylum for like three hours and went to bed. It was kind of a great night. Ah, well, okay. And then I had to follow that up with, you know, the usual Christmas eating of all the, the heavy meals that followed. But it's a holiday season. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And now I got Christmas gift cards to go spend. I got to spend all the time at McDonald's, which I, as another thing, I ate McDonald's twice in one day the other day. So things are going good for me. <laughs> and not even like uh, McDonald's breakfast and then like McDonald's. Real no, food. it was like no. it was burgers each time. Yeah, like you do. It was funny because like I got a big ass meal for my lunch. It was the bacon double smokehouse thing they do, which is pretty good. I've already described it to you. Um, yeah, Jake likes it's... to get their bougie burgers, where I just stick with <laughs> your uh, McDonald's regular stuff. That's true. Well, I mix it up every now and then because I eat McDonald's often. So, <laughs> so I got that for lunch with a large fry and a Coke and like little Debbie's to follow it, and you know, like so that was do. my lunch at like, and this was lunch at like maybe one thirty or two, and then it was like, okay, uh, you know, this was another case of driving to another Christmas. It's like, all right, we gotta go as soon as I get off work. So at like five thirty, it's like, well, we gotta eat, and it's like, well, I'm not super hungry, but we can do McDonald's, I guess. So since I wasn't super hungry, I just got two two additional cheeseburgers, <laughs> but I didn't get any fries this time. So four McDonald's patties in one day. <laughs> Nice. Our fast food intake uh, has gone up quite a bit recently, and we started doing a thing that Jake's been doing for a long time of going through the drive-thru and then eating it in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But 
because we're crazy people, uh, we don't ever eat it in the parking lot of the establishment. We will go find a you different drive parking away. lot just so no one is judging us. Yeah, uh, hey, that's all right. The Chick-fil-A near us is uh, by a hotel parking lot, so we always go there, park in the shade <laughs> there. Uh, you know, just talk uh, Little Caesars. We ate a whole Little Caesars in the car. That was a thing. Nice. We got a whole pizza we just ate in the car. Uh, I, but I again, relate. drove across can... the street to that parking lot, stayed there, ate it, then drove... You know, I can way. relate to wanting to eat fast food without witnesses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this documented. Exactly. I mean, I as a mailman, I drive to an abandoned parking lot every day to do my lunch. And it's like, this is away from everybody. Nobody should see me. I'm going to eat and I'm going to take off my shoes and have my feet up on the dash. And this is my me time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know of any uh, new. I don't. I can't think of anything new that I've tried. I tried the new, like, Grande Burrito things, but I don't really feel like they're, like, overly noteworthy. Yeah, same for, like, the chicken, rolled chicken tacos or whatever I they call them. I thought those were, were better than I expected they, them to be. They were good. They weren't, like, oh, man, this is innovative and cool. It's like, well, these are, like, empanadas that you act not empanadas. These are, like, taquitos that you actually fried instead of doing in the right. oven. I thought they so. were, like, restaurant quality, like something you could have gotten, yeah. like, on the border or something. Yeah, they're pretty tasty. Dipping them in the nacho cheese. And then it's like a spicy ranch or whatever they were pretty good into. One thing Taco Bell is lacking in, which upsets me, is salsa. I wish I wanted that to dip it in. But what's really upsetting is I was looking online because I was doing that. Uh, you know, checking out the Taco Bell website. It's a thing I do. <laughs> yeah. And like, they list dip, they list dipping sauces there, and one of them is salsa. And I went like, oh, shit. Okay, I can get salsa with this? I'm sure it's like a, you know canned whatever salsa but it, it's like this will be good and i had said that in the drive-thru and they were just like we don't we don't have salsa it's <laughs> <was> like oh <laughs> fuck but they lied to me with their website oh no taco bell also delivers in my area now which Whoa. is cool yeah but they don't do it like 24 7 i guess because i tried to order it at like two in the afternoon and they were like our next delivery time is like four o'clock it's like fuck now i gotta leave the house this is like through like an Uber Eats sort of deal or uh, I think Grubhub, but yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen uh, where I live. So it's a little check your local. Ta- I'm sure the I'm sure the town name removed <laughs> a Taco Bell has one. Uh, has, they'll have a sign up for saying like we deliver now. I mean, I maybe, bet. but I don't think they deliver this far. They probably out, won't deliver maybe. that far out. Right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, there was something I was going to say. No, I don't remember. Think back. Think, think, think. Taco Bell, McDonald's, eating in the parking lot, Subway, um, Burger King, gift cards, Christmas, <laughs> breakfast. I had something really good, too, and I don't know what I was going to say. What? Well, that's been Talking Snack, everybody. <laughs> Unless I remember Play me off. <laughs> yeah, we talk some snacks. Snack it up. Snag it down. Snack it out. Snack it all around. <laughs> zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo da bye. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. This is Jake here reminding you to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let everybody know we're doing this thing because it's a lot of fun and we really enjoy making it. If you would like to tell us your thoughts on these films or perhaps give us a topic for talk and snack, or if you just want to call us dumb and tell us we're bad at making podcasts, send us an email over at dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com. Or you can call us out on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. 
If you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend or leave us a five-star review. I hear that helps. Next in our timeline, we've got The Black Cauldron, which is a film nobody remembers, and then The Great Mouse Detective, which might even be more obscure. So we're looking forward to those. It's going to be interesting. And then uh, once we get past those, we get out of season two with this podcast. Then we'll really get into some of the big heavy hitters of the Disney renaissance. So stick with us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.